Welcome to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. Let's pick up where we left off. We're in the Gospels, meaning it's words Jesus had to say. And we're going to begin with Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. And although the Gospels have what Jesus has to say, they appear in those red letters, as we always talk about. Uh, This is just the beginning of the Gospels, so it's not Jesus' teaching. It's going to start out with his genealogy. So like I always do, or usually do with the genealogies, I'm just going to read through the names and just stop and uh, pause on the names that stand out to me for whatever reason they may stand out to me. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep reading through. And since it's um, no words of Jesus in this reading, it'll probably be a pretty quick and short one. But it probably, yeah, I'm sure it has stuff in it we can still get out of it. So without further ado, let's begin. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So just in case you don't know, you know Jesus. David is the same David and Goliath, David and Abraham is the same Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, forefather Abraham. So it's um, linking Jesus to that genealogy. Verse 2, Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. So Jacob is the one whose name was changed to Israel, and that's where the people of Israel, children of Israel, the nation of Israel, the land of Israel, that's where they all get the name from. It's the root from this same Jacob. Uh, verse 3, Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron and Hezron begot Ram. So Tamar was the one who, uh, no, not Dinah. Tamar was the, oh, Tamar was the one who, uh, the woman who's, and just in case you don't know, haven't noticed, in the Old Testament and throughout the Bible, it's very patriarchal, meaning it's the men's story, it's the men's narrative, it's the men's outcome that it's usually focused on. But in the Old Testament, I mean, other than what the Gospels, Jesus seems to be the only balance of the sexes in the Bible that I had noticed. But as far as the Old Testament goes, Tamar gets mentioned by name because she's attached to uh, a significant story, just like most of the women in the Bible. In her case, she was she is notable because she played the hoe as it's as it says in the in the um in her story she had a had a husband who died before she could have any kids with him and then like property because that's what the women are looked at as in the old testament as property she was then given to his brother to have uh children for his brother because that's how their um culture worked it's if you're if a man dies without children his brother takes the wife and uh, raises up has children by uh, the widow um, only the children don't get his name they get the dead brother's name so that's sort of how the culture worked out so she was given to the brother only the brother instead of uh, finishing the task inside so that children might be born instead he pulled out at the end you know it's uh, the rhythm method as they call it in nowadays um as far as um, birth control, so to keep from having a baby by her, but still get the enjoyment of uh, trying to make it happen, he did that. It was considered shady, and he died as a result of that in the narrative. And then, uh, so that was two brothers that died by her uh, after being with her. So to keep another brother from dying, because he uh, he wasn't old enough yet, Judah, their father, excuse me, made her wait, told her to just wait a little while till the next brother in line gets old enough and then he'll marry you. 
Uh, only when he got old enough, he, he the father didn't arrange for that. Judah didn't arrange for that. So instead, she took things in her own hands. She dressed up like a prostitute. And according to the narrative, all she had to do was put a veil on her face. And people, that was like the sign that she was a working girl. So she did that and ended up getting pregnant. But And she got pregnant not by one of the brothers, but she got pregnant by the father, Judah, who apparently didn't even recognize his own daughter-in-law because she had a veil on. Didn't recognize her voice, her body, her stance, her mannerisms, nothing. He had sex with her completely anonymously, apparently. Didn't recognize her, got her pregnant, and then accused her of being a hoe when the baby started showing. Uh, but then she uh, she handled her business. She took payment for, for the activities they had. She didn't do it for free, so at least she wasn't, uh, as you'd say, a slut. She's a working girl, at least presumed to be. So she took payment and the payment she took proved that Judah was the one who got her pregnant and she was absolved of the guilt of being unwed and married, uh, unwed and pregnant. And um, so that's how that whole story went on. And that's how she sort of made a name for herself in the Old Testament among a bunch of nameless women. That was Tamar's story and uh, it was linked to Judah's story and that family. Um, so she also had kids, though. So, um, did we finish reading that? Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron and Hezron begot Ram. So the kids she had from her father-in-law, so just in case you didn't pick up on it, it's incest. She's A man had sex with his daughter-in-law, didn't know it was her and got her pregnant, um, and then tried to point the finger at her. That's like the gist of that story. Verse 4, Ram begot Aminadab, Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab, Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, Obed begot Jesse. So the name that stands out there is Rahab, another working girl. She um, wasn't pretending to be a working girl like Tamar was. She was a working girl. She was a prostitute, and she had two of the the men there with her, two Israelite troops uh, there with her. Um, and that's sort of how she... Um, escaped uh, uh, the the war by um, helping out the opposing side by hanging a red cord in her window um, so that they'd know to save her alive even though because she helped them and they took the rest of the city so that's Rahab's story and these are people in Jesus's family tree that's what we're reading here um, okay so let's keep reading um and then the next one was Boaz, Obed, and Ruth. Ruth was a yet another interesting story because um, she was a widow and she didn't play the hoe, but she uh, used her feminine wiles to make it and get along in the world like women in the Old West did when they worked in saloons, uh, you know, getting groped and grabbed and all the violence and stuff. Um, but it's what women were limited to at that time. Back then, it was sort of what Rahab was limited to in her position back then. Um, but then her story has a happier ending. Um, but that's Old Testament if you want to check it out. With God willing, we'll get to that on our Monday and Wednesday readings at some point. Um, verse 6. And Jesse begot David the king. Um, David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. So more scandal. David is that same David and Goliath David that they're talking about. And he um, was sort of a horn dog. He saw a woman he wanted to have sex with. Uh, and he took her for himself and had sex with her. She got pregnant. And um, instead of handling it in a more honorable way, since none of that is very considered honorable, he instead had the husband... 
Uriah killed. He put him, he was a troop, uh, 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 a soldier. So he had him put in the heat of war so that he would be killed. And, um, and so that he could just take his wife for himself. And that's what happened. He, um, the, the soldier Uriah was killed. Um, and the wife, uh, David took for himself to have, um, but the baby died. And so, um, after that baby died, he kept the wife and ended up having more. I had Solomon. That's the same Solomon who's credited with Proverbs, the wise Solomon, the King Solomon. That's that Solomon. Verse 7, Solomon begot Rehoboam, Rehoboam begot Abiah, and Abiah begot Aja. So at the time of after Solomon uh, in the Rehoboam era, that's when the kingdom was divided in two. It was just Israel, the nation of Israel at that point up until then. But then once Solomon died, there was division, sort of a civil war, if you will. And it was split into two, Judah and Israel, two different main tribes that made up all of the other tribes. Um, Aja begot Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat begot Joram, and Joram begot Uzziah. Uzziah begot Jotham, Jotham begot Ahaz, and Ahaz begot Hezekiah. Hezekiah begot Manasseh, Manasseh begot Ammon, and Ammon begot Josiah. Um, so some of the names are repeats, just like you have juniors and thirds and fourths now. It's no different then. They just gave them the same name without the junior. Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. So that's when they were taken captive by another nation, Babylon, in the Old Testament, not the Revelation Babylon that seems to be America. But the Old Testament Babylon that's in ruins now, you can see those ruins if you visit that part of the world. Verse 12, and after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel, Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel begot Abiud, Abiud begot Eliakim, and Eliakim begot Azor. Azor begot Zadok, Zadok begot Achim, and Achim begot Eliud. Eliud begot Eliezer, Eliezer begot Methan, and Methan begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So now you make it down to Jesus's um, uh, nuclear family. Um, you know, not the human nu nuclear human family. His mama, his daddy, and him. Um, that's the Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. Uh, verse seventeen. So all the generations from Abraham to David are fourteen generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are fourteen generations from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ start 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus. So notice that the periods that are talked about there, 14 generations, 14 generations, and 14 generations. It's not tra tracking, tra tracing, excuse me, all the way back to Adam, but just the sort of uh, Semitic branch of the Adam family tree. So it's not going all the way back to the beginning, though a lot of people and religions would like to trace it back there. That's not what it's saying. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child by of the Holy Spirit. So when it's saying came together, it means exactly what it sounds like in modern terms. When you come together with someone, uh, you have sex and come together to have a baby. Or maybe even just the man comes, but it's they before they got to that point, she was already pregnant is what they're letting us know. And it's attributing the pregnancy to the Holy Spirit 
just as the other gospels say that the power of the Lord would overtake her and she'd bear a child and it'd be the son of God, that's the same narrative here. Uh, verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So he's thinking about, it seems, what Joseph, what's on Joseph's mind is, I'm about to get married. That's what the betrothed means. They're engaged. Um, only it turns out she's already pregnant and he doesn't want to make her a public example, meaning he doesn't want to shame her for being unwed and pregnant. So he figured he'd just put her away as in cancel the wedding plans and just sort of let her go dismiss her, uh, sweep it under the rug. That was what he had in mind. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So he's got all those things on his mind about how does he get out of that marriage uh, arrangement uh, because she's got a child in her belly that's not his. Because remember, it happened before they got together. Uh, but he gets reassurance through divine reassurance uh, in the form of a dream. We see that happen again and again throughout the Bible where that seems to be a popular way of communication between the supernatural and human beings. It seems to be when the rest of the mind and the body is at rest, it's easier to get messages through, it seems, um, by visions and dreams while we're asleep. And so that's what happened with him. He got reassurance that the child is not something he should be ashamed of. It's uh, it's a, it's God's plot, God's storyline, God's big picture playing out in his family. And she will bring forth a son, and you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So he's saying uh, this is one of the examples of someone getting named uh, supernaturally before they're even born. It happened with Jesus, and it happened in a couple other places in the Bible. Um, for whatever reason, they're escaping my mind right now. But Jesus is one of the few examples of that happening. And he's letting them know that it's all God's plan, God's big picture. And here's the name you're to give the child. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying. So it's letting us know all of this is playing out in big picture sense, like we always talk about, um, to fulfill another purpose. And the purpose is about the quote in verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So it's letting us know that there's a prophecy in the Old Testament, and there are a few in the Old Testament, Isaiah, for instance, and in the book of Psalms, that point to Messiah Christ's coming and the different things that would happen to him in his suffering, especially in the book of Psalms. Um, so he's letting them know that you're going to call him Jesus, but he's going to be called God with us, Emmanuel, meaning people are experiencing God walking among them, just like Adam and Eve did uh, back at the beginning of the Bible. Only in this case, it's not walking around in a supernatural body, but walking around in a flesh body as a human, just like the rest of us, experiencing the different things that we experience as humans. Hunger, that'll make you do anything to make sure you have something to eat. The weather, that'll make you do anything to get cool or to stay warm. And all the other different things that can affect our human walk. God gets to experience those as Jesus. Verse 24, And then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife. So he's being obedient with what the dream let him know to do. Not to worry about the paternity of the baby, but just take her as your wife 
and keep it moving. So that's what he did. Verse 25, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So when it says no there, it means have sex with. They're letting us know they didn't consummate their marriage. He went on and married her, even though she was already pregnant, and he didn't consummate the marriage with her until after she had the baby. So it clears up any um, ambiguity there about what their marriage was like early on. It wasn't a physical thing. It was a giving her baby a name and her a home and setting all that up in advance because something bigger was happening and he got to be a part of it. And then the rest of the physical party enjoyed after she had uh, Jesus. And they named him Jesus just like the dream told him to. So I think another message there is obedience. It's key. Whether you're Christian or whatever other faith you may be. Obedience to what it is God would have us do, say, and uh, be in the big picture is what's paramount. And what we have to make sure we do do our best to follow. And that actually ends this reading. It was the, I told you it'd be quick because there's no gospel teaching in it. It's just the narrative of how everything, the ball's getting rolling. I appreciate you checking it out with me and I hope it was a blessing for you as always. And if you like, you can see past readings here on this platform while they last. Or if you're an adult, you can go to my platform while it lasts, hungtgirl.com. You can click on the links on the site and get to know me, body, mind, spirit, and soul. You can click on the pictures and see the body part of me and my friends. Those are actually videos. You can click on the spirit and soul pages to see what Christianity means to me. How the six books in the Bible that have Jesus' words in them are different from all the other 60 plus books in the Bible that don't have Jesus's words in them. And as a Christian, to me, that's what's significant. That's what we have to take away. That's our tithe from God to us of what's in the Bible to understand about our paths and walk with God as Christians. So feel free to get a membership, make a donation, or just enjoy the free content. All of the above are very much appreciated. I thank you for that. God bless you for that. And I hope you'll join me again. We have our Monday and Wednesday readings, like I mentioned earlier, of the Old Testament. We're up to the book of Exodus now. And uh, these Saturday nights, usually it's at around midnight, um, uh, uh, early Sunday morning where we do them. It's a little earlier tonight because some friends needed me for something else tonight. So, And since we're not in the Gospels full swing yet, uh, and since it is also midnight somewhere in the world, uh, I figure, uh, why not? It's obedience. That's the key. Not a time that I came up with arbitrarily. So be blessed. Thanks again for reading along with me. And I hope you'll join me again. Stay safe. Love your neighbor. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. And God bless you. Peace to you. And thanks again. See you next time.